Thanks so much for tuning into 7IM Church's podcast. We are so glad you are here. To connect with us, you can head over to 7imchurch.com slash connect, and we'd love to hear from you. We also post regularly on Facebook at 7IM Church, and we live stream all of our services Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. We believe that God is moving in our midst, and we are so humbled and excited to be a part. Thank you for listening to today's message. How's everyone doing? There we go. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 10. We're actually going to jump kind of all over uh, the Bible today. Is that all right? That's kind of what we do here. Uh, We get in God's word, so I hope that's okay with you. Um, Hey, if you've got your Bible, man, this is loud. If you've got your Bible, go ahead, hold it up for me. I challenge everyone to do this. Y'all, I'm going to do this all the time because, oh yeah, I see some Bibles. Come on, somebody. But I, I said it a few weeks ago, showing up to church without your Bible is like getting in your car that has no gas, all right? Um, this is the Word of God. It is alive. Let's open it together. We are in Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse, I'm going to start in verse 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. But here's the verse I want to focus in on today. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Welcome to church. Aren't you excited to be here? That's just an encouraging verse to me. Today, I want to begin a new series, and I've titled this series, Fear of God. And I want to challenge you to spend the next, I think it's going to be four weeks long, but it might be four years long, all right? So I don't really know what God has in store for this series, but I want to challenge you to plug into every piece of this series, Because they're actually going to build on top of one another. I might preach something three weeks from now and reference what we talked about today. Because in all honesty, I tried to pack this entire series into one message. But there is just so much that I want our church to see that it was impossible. And and so I want to challenge you, you, if you miss it in person, tune in online. And if you're watching online, I'm going to look at the camera. Y'all might feel awkward. But if you're watching online and you live in Mineola, Kansas, Dodge City, Buckland, in the area, get here in person. All right? Stop using the lazy excuse to sit at home. Get here in person because there is something that God wants to do in this house during this series. And I'm praying and I'm believing that Holy Spirit is going to manifest in these four walls when we gather together every Sunday. And that we are going to see things that the church in Mineola, Kansas has never seen before. We are going to become more powerful than the church in Mineola, Kansas has ever been before. And I'm not saying it hasn't been powerful in the past. But what I'm saying is what God has in store for us as we move forward is way more important. And is going to be way bigger than what we've ever seen him accomplish before. But the question is, church, are you ready? I believe there's one main reason 
why the church has been inactive and ineffective in the world, but especially in the United States of America for far too long. And it is because the church, the people lack a healthy fear of God. We've got a men's group that gathers every Wednesday morning. And we were talking about how do we share Jesus with people in our workplace and people at our schools. And, and I'm going to brag on him and he has no idea I'm saying this. But we've actually got a high school student who shows up to that men's group. It's at 645 on a Wednesday morning. All right, y'all. I'm just saying I didn't want to wake up when school started, let alone an hour and 30 minutes before it started. But he, he shows up. He's hungry. He wants to learn. He asks questions. And when we were talking about sharing Jesus, he came back the week after and he said, I, I tried to talk to some people about Jesus. And you know what I found? Nobody takes God seriously. And y'all, I'm just saying it hit me like an arrow in the soul. That's it. That, that's what we're missing and I know that you guys would probably say, well, pastor, we take God seriously. That's why we're here on Sunday morning. Okay, you take him seriously for an hour out of your week. You want a pat on the back? Do you take him seriously Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? In that moment where Holy Spirit says in your soul, hey, go talk to that person. Do you take him seriously and do you obey his command or do you make an excuse and shy away from it? Do you take him seriously when he calls you to give 10% of your income to the church and back to God? Do you take him seriously when he says, I am number one. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. Do we take God seriously? I'd rephrase it to say it this way. Do you truly fear him? It doesn't take a lot for us to wake up on a Sunday morning, drive down the road and show up at church on Sunday morning. So it becomes mundane, it becomes usual, it becomes just a part of what we do and who we are. And I want to ask you, when was the last time that you were in the presence of God and his presence manifested so greatly that you were brought to your knees, that you were brought to tears, and that the only thing you could utter out of your mouth was holy, holy, holy is he. Do we only go to God when we need something? When was the last time you just prayed and spent time in the presence of God simply just because you loved him? Like when was the last time you prayed when you didn't know what to pray? Like, like I find it interesting, we pray when we know what to pray. God, heal this person, so we pray. God, send the rain, so we pray. But what about just a Monday morning? Nothing going on. You don't get a text message from the prayer chain to be praying. You don't have your devotional that gives you the outline of how to pray. And you just start having a conversation with God. 
What do you want me to do today, Lord? How can I obey you more? What areas of my life do I need to trust you more? We don't have an agenda when we go to him. We simply just want him. And this is exactly how I knew the room was going to feel this morning. And buckle up, y'all, because it's going to be like this for the next however many weeks. But I've been in a personal journey for the last six to eight months in my life of studying and challenging myself and to truly try to understand what it means to fear God. And I'm telling you, it is the one thing that has unlocked a lot of other things in my life. And I have begun to sit and experience the presence of God in my life unlike ever before. And I truly believe it was one thing that changed it. I began to truly fear him. Look at 2 Timothy 1.7 with me this morning. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I would also say this, other translations would say it this way, that it might say a spirit of intimidation, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. I could open up God's word and I could tell you that for every day of the year, 366 times, all right, so there's an extra one in case you have a bad day, that the Bible says, fear not. But you're telling me I need to fear God? That doesn't make any sense. Well, this morning I want to begin our series and I want to break down the difference between the two fears that we choose to live in. The fear of man and the fear of God. And so when Paul is writing this, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or a spirit of intimidation, what he is saying is God does not give us a spirit that fears fellow man. That fears ideas that fellow man have created. That fears agendas that fellow man might be pushing but he's given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. And I'm going to do something so different and so bold at the end of this service that we are actually going to pray, we are going to declare, and we are going to break the spirit of fear and the spirit of intimidation off every single person in this room this morning. Because I am tired of watching the kingdom of God. I am tired of watching the children of the kingdom walk around and fear man more than we fear God himself. I'm tired of us trying to please other people rather than going to God and seeing what his word says about it. The fear of man is based on intimidation. It will distract us from living the life as God has called us to live. I'm going to read a lot more of my notes than I normally do. It's not because I was not prepared, but it's belie I believe God has said some things and I don't want to miss them. I, I usually go off script a lot, all right? But, but I believe God is speaking to this house and I don't want to miss what he is encouraging us to do. When we make our decisions based on what others will think of us or tell us what to do, we are living in a dangerous place. Why? Because we change who we are depending on who we're around. When we live in the fear of man, we are entrapped in this fear. We avoid rejection and confrontation and we run to acceptance. The words of Jesus I read for you in Matthew chapter 10 this morning. He says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Who is he talking about? He's talking about man. 
Do not fear man, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. When we live in the fear of man, we often avoid rejection and confrontation and we run to acceptance. I'm telling y'all, we are living in a culture right now that is a promoting acceptance above the truth. I, I'm just being honest. We are, we are promoting acceptance above the truth. If you're a business owner, you know what I mean. Have you gone through diversity training yet? And I'm not just talking about blacks and whites anymore. I, I'm talking about they, them, she, him, whatever they want to be. We got to accept everyone. And we've lost sight of the truth. So I propose to you this morning that we are living in a day and an age where the fear of man has vastly overpowered the fear of God. And I'm saying all people are welcome in this house. And I will love you as you are because that's the way Jesus loves you. But that does not mean I have to accept however you may identify or call you however may pronoun you want. Because my God said that in Genesis, God created them male and female. And isn't it interesting, the same people that are trying to change their own pronouns and say, well, you have to accept us how we identify are also the same people that are trying to change the pronouns of my God. It says all throughout scripture, God refers to himself as him, he himself. Yet they're calling him she, her, woman. Respect my God and call him by his correct pronouns. The fear of man is a dangerous place to live. And unfortunately, the church has been living in this for far too long. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. What's a snare? It's a trap, right? So, so what kind of trap are we talking about here? The fear of man is a trap. It's a trap that we give up our God-given authority. When we live in the fear of man, as the church, we begin to give up our God-given authority to make an impact and truly change the world. This is why I believe the Apostle Paul writes this in Galatians 1, and I think he understood the difference between living in the fear of man and living in the fear of God. He said this in Galatians 1.10, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So here's the first point I want you to see this morning. It is impossible to fear man and serve Christ. It is impossible to fear man and serve Christ. I feel like I've already stepped on some toes, so I'm just going to keep stepping, all right? There's no turning back now. Some of us are more afraid to look our boss in the eyes and say, hey, I need every Sunday off so I can go to church than we are to obey the command of God that we should not stop gathering with his house and with his children. 
Well, that's easy for you to say you're a pastor. You only work one day a week and it's Sunday. But I haven't always been a pastor. It's impossible to fear man and serve Christ. Well, I, I, we, I, I got, I'm the man of the house. I got to provide for the family. And if I, I tell my boss, then I might get fired. Well, do you believe that God is Jehovah Jireh and he is the God who will provide? Obedience is the key that unlocks blessing of God in our life. And yet sometimes we make decisions that are based on the fear of man. And what they actually do is they take us out of the opportunity to even serve Christ if we wanted to. Some of us, we live in places of work. Or we're in settings where if we tried to talk about Jesus, our job might be on the line. But you see somebody come into your doors or you see somebody sit in your classroom or you're having a conversation with a patient and you can realize that they are struggling with more than just physical pain and there's a spiritual battle going on and God places something in your heart that you need to lay hands on this person. You need to declare that they are free. You need to declare that they are healed. But you fear man so much that you don't do it because you're afraid your job might be on the line but their healing or their freedom could be determined on your obedience you can't truly serve Christ if you fear man I want to look at a man in the Old Testament that proves this to be true his name is King Saul this is not the Saul in the New Testament that we meet someone's having a party downstairs come on somebody this is not the, the Saul that we meet in the New Testament who then becomes Paul and becomes a champion of the kingdom of God. This is King Saul in the Old Testament. We're in 1 Samuel 13 if you're flipping around and you want to catch up eventually. But let me give some context into where we're going this morning. The Israelites are being attacked by the Philistines and Saul is king at this time. And so the battle, it doesn't look very good. The Philistines have the more powerful army. They've got the numbers. They've got the weapons. They've got everything that will lead them to success in the eyes of war. And Saul begins to have conversations with the Lord. And the Lord has given him very specific instructions as to how the people of Israel are going to find victory, even when in the natural it does not look possible. Well, at the same time that Saul's receiving these instructions from the Lord, he starts to feel the pressure of man. I don't know if anyone's ever been in that situation where you feel God calling you to do one thing, but then all of a sudden your family starts questioning it, or your friends start questioning it, or your coworkers start questioning it, or your bank account starts questioning it, and you're like, I feel this pressure, but I know God's also calling me to do something else. Well, Saul finds himself in this spot, given it specific instructions on when he was to offer his sacrifices, and yet he chose to submit to the fear of man, Reject the call of God, and he offered those sacrifices early. Now, isn't it interesting? It doesn't say he did not offer the sacrifices. Like he still offered his sacrifice to God. What does this look like today? Because we ain't killing sheep, goats, and lambs up in here. You still showed up to church on Sunday. 
but your heart wasn't positioned in the right place and you were not yet fully obedient to what God was calling you to do. 1 Samuel 13, starting in verse 11. So Samuel comes to Saul after Saul offers these sacrifices and this is Samuel's response. What have you done? And, and Saul goes, well, when I saw that people were scattered from me and you did not come within the days appointed that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord yet. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Let me put this in Michael's English translation. I saw things happening in the natural and it did not look like I was going to achieve victory. So I took things into my own hands because I'm a man and I got pride and I'm going to figure this out. So I ignored what God told me to do. And Samuel looks at Saul and he says, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be a commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded Let me put Samuel's response as simply as I can in this way. You honored what you feared more than what God said. When I ask you this morning, do you honor what you fear more than what our God has said? Do you honor the fear of man? Do you submit to the fear of man or do you truly fear God? And live by what his word has called us to live. There's two types of fear we can choose to live in. The fear of man and the fear of God. And I could probably spend a whole message just on the fear of man. But I want to get to the fear of God. And remember that we're just scratching the surface. Like this is going to be a series that we sit in for weeks and weeks and weeks. Because this is stuff I've been studying for six months and a year, and I still think I'm just scratching the surface of it. But I want to talk about the fear of God. If you're taking notes, which I highly value you take notes, there's going to be several scriptures that I read through. So just write them down. Not all of them. I don't think any of them actually are going to be on the screen. I spared our uh, tech guy some finger clicking this morning because I could have given him 75 slides. Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Matthew 10.28, we just read this this morning. Rather fear him, fear God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Psalm 33 verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snare of death. Proverbs 25, 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. I'm just saying, y'all, Proverbs 25, 14, write it down. Stick it on your mirror, stick it on your fridge, I don't know, make it your background on your phone. This might be one of the most profound verses I've ever read in all of scripture. The friendship of the Lord 
is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. The other way other translations might say that is the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. He tells his greatest secrets to his best friends. You might wonder why you can get online or you can get on YouTube and you can see different preachers or pastors or prophets or evangelists getting up in front of thousands or or laying hands on front of people or receiving supernatural revelation about what's going to happen in the future. And while some of them are heresy and fake, some of them are true and real. And the reason that I believe men and women are receiving that supernatural vision and that supernatural instruction is because of that verse. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he reveals his secrets to his best friends. Well, how do I know what God's leading me to do? I want to know more about God. Well, do you have a healthy fear of who he is? I want to break down the difference between being afraid of God and fearing God. Because all throughout scripture, God tells us, do not fear. And and there's actually different times in our life based on maybe personal experience or, or how we grew up that we might actually have an unhealthy fear of God. And that's not the place that we're called to live either. And what an unhealthy fear of the Lord looks like is you are afraid of God. And for some of you, you might have gotten this idea based on maybe your relationship with your earthly father or a relationship with an earthly man in your life that you started to just put those presumptions on God the Father in your life and that when you did something wrong, you would go to dad and then dad would rage and you'd get so afraid of him that that's how you start to think God is with you. But there's a difference between fearing him and being afraid of him. J.A. Spender, he's an author and theologian. He said this, fear God, yes, but don't be afraid of him. The best way for me to help us see this difference between living afraid of God or living in the spirit of God, spirit of fear, and living truly in the fear of God is to look at the people of Israel yet again. We're going to go back to Exodus. We'll be in 1920, maybe even 32 a little bit. But the people of Israel have been led out of captivity and they're now taking their their stand. They're now saying, yes, we are a free people. And Moses begins to lead the nation of Israel to Mount Sinai. And it's actually at Mount Sinai where God wants to meet with his children. He, He wants to meet with the people of Israel. And the whole nation gets there and Moses goes up to the mountain and he has an encounter with God. And I would say he had a private meeting with God. And then God himself, he begins to reveal why he brought the people of Israel out of exile. In Exodus 19, three through four, it says, while Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and I brought you to myself. God led the people out of the 
the imprisonment that they were experiencing in Egypt because he wanted to bring his people back to himself. And he thought, well, I would, I'll, I'll gather with them at Mount Sinai and, and I'll show myself to the people. And like, I'm just saying, y'all, church, if God said he wanted to show up and show himself to you today, what would your response be? Some of y'all are going to say, come Lord Jesus. And others of y'all are going to start shaking in your boots. Wait, you mean, you mean God's actually, he's going to, oh. You get more scared of him than you truly fear him. And this is actually exactly what takes place. Because as we keep reading in Exodus 20, we begin to see that, that God comes down to meet with his people. And the people respond by running away. Like God is coming down to meet with them and, and they begin to run away. And in Exodus 20, 19, the Bible says that the people cried out in fear to Moses. You speak with us and we will hear from you, but let not God speak with us lest we die. They, they wanted Moses to continue to be the, the vessel that God would speak through him to them because they were afraid of the presence of God. They did not want to get close enough because they were afraid. And look at how Moses responds to the people choosing to live with a spirit of fear. Moses says, do not fear. For God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you. That you may not sin, yet the people still stood a far distance off, while Moses alone drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So in this one statement, Moses proclaims, do not fear, and fear God, within seconds of each other. And we might think, well, I, I don't know what it means to truly fear God. Well, what Moses is saying, do not live scared of God. Why do we get scared? You know, if you truly think about the word fear a little bit deeper, nobody actually just says, well, I'm afraid. Well, what are you afraid of? Like, like fear cannot stand alone. Like, like you have to be afraid of something. Like 2020, y'all, I'm afraid. Well, depending on who you ask, people are afraid for different reasons. I'm afraid of COVID. I'm afraid of the U.S. government. I'm afraid of that stupid vaccine. I'm afraid of going outside my house. I'm afraid that the mosquito that just bit me had COVID and now I'm going to have COVID. I'm afraid of dying. You, you, you can't have fear by itself. And I, I can't remember what president, it might have been FDR, I don't remember, but some president throughout U.S. history said the only thing you got to fear is fear itself. And while it sounds amazing, he's incorrect. The only thing you have to fear is 
God himself. Because fear cannot stand alone. And when we're scared of God, here's what usually that means. Because we do it with people and we do it with God because we're in a relationship with him. When we are scared of God, it often means we have something to hide. Think of Adam and Eve. Living hand in hand, walking with God himself. Yet they sin. And what is the first thing they do? They hide. Like, y'all, I'm just saying, and we're going to get into it in a few weeks, but yes, God actually sees and knows everything going on in your life. So whatever you're trying to hide from him, that's keeping you scared of him, he already knows. Like, I, I love trying to surprise my wife, but I'm awful at it. Because she figures everything out. And, and there's times where I try to do a surprise, and she looks at me and she says, I know exactly what you got me. I know what's in that box. And I even used the other credit card so she couldn't look at the bank statement. Like, what? <laughs> Tried to make it a surprise. She knows. Because she knows me. But there's somebody that knows me even more. And it's the one who made me. So I can't hide anything from him. And oftentimes when we live afraid of God, it's because we have something to hide. There's sin in our life. There's, a, there's disobedience in our life. And so we begin to be afraid of him rather than fearing him. But here's what I want you to see. The person who truly fears God has nothing to hide. They are actually terrified of being away from God. We're not scared of God. We're terrified of being away from him. To truly fear God is not loving God out of fear. It's fearing him out of love. We don't love God out of fear. We fear him out of love. You can't truly be in intimacy with somebody that you're afraid of. That's why if you have a conversation with somebody who's in a, a relationship that might be abusive domestically, that, that there's inti intimacy lacking within that relationship because one party is usually afraid of the other party, so therefore it lacks the intimacy that's needed to see a marriage be sustained. The same is true with friendships. If you're scared of your people that you're friends with, you're probably not all that much friends with them. If you're scared of your boss, you probably don't have that great of a relationship with him. If you're scared of God, then you don't have a true relationship with him. We don't love God out of fear. We fear him out of love. We are not afraid of God. We are afraid of being without God. And we are in constant awe and reverence of who he truly is. The fear of man is a snare. The fear of God is freedom. Because you're no longer submitting to an opinion. You're no longer trying to live to fit in a label. You no longer have to go through life in the order of success that the world says you have to achieve. 
you are living in complete submission and surrender and awe and reverence of who our God is. Do you truly fear God? When we live life, we have a choice to live in the fear of man or the fear of God. One's a trap. One's an act of love. Having a healthy fear of God does not always mean we will experience acceptance or support from others. Let's just be honest. I've I've heard it said this way, and and I've probably said it this way too, but if you're going through life, and recently you haven't had a head-on collision with the devil, it might be because you're going the same way as him. And I'm not saying that God doesn't call his followers to be blessed and highly favored and and that church people are going to have nice things and, and live glorious life. That's not what I'm saying at all, but it doesn't come without a cost. Like some of the most impactful people in ministry I've ever met have testimonies that could crumble any regular man. But because they chose to live with the spirit and the fear of God in their life all their life, they have gotten through all trial, all tribulation that would have knocked anybody else out of it. And there are stories that people have. I'm just saying, church, one of these Sundays you're going to show up And I'm going to have round tables in here. And I'm not going to say a word. And I'm going to tell you, just sit at your table and tell your story. Because there's people in this room that you think have it all together. There's people in this room that you think they just got to where they are in life. Because they just showed up to church every week. Or they just wrote a tithe check every week. Or well, they're just that blessed family in Mineola. They were born into the right family. No, 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 no. I guarantee you anybody who is thriving and succeeding in life right now. Has been through a trial or some sort of tribulation that otherwise would have knocked them out of the faith. But the fear of God drew them to become closer to God even in the midst of a trial and their testimony will speak volumes to your life. Do we live with a fear of man or do we live with a fear of God? Living with a healthy fear of God may even lead you to do things, believe for things, or declare things that seem unrealistic in the moment. Like I'm just saying, y'all, when I meet somebody who's got a broken arm, and I say, hey, can I pray for you? They're like kind of looking at me like, all right, sure. And I'm like, and I start praying. And I start declaring bone to be joined to bone. Maybe I start declaring that the cast would just fall off. In the natural, that sounds foolish and ridiculous. But I'm telling y'all, it only sounds stupid until it happens. And can you imagine what might happen if the miraculous hand of God showed up in a moment, healed that individual? Think about the testimony, the life change, and the conversations that they're going to have for the rest of their life with everybody they meet. I've had people ask me before when I've gone and visited with people that are 
older in age that are battling a sickness. And, and I've declared healing over their body. I've declared that, that cancer be gone. I've de declared that disease diminish. And, and sometimes they look at me at the end of the prayer and they say, Pastor, I'd be okay if the Lord called me home today. Stop praying for healing. I'm ready. And, and I get it. But like, here's what I was believing for. I believe that even if God doesn't heal you right now, that you'll be healed when you enter his presence in eternity. So I'm believing for healing. Maybe I'm believing for healing because God says it's not yet your time and there's a young man that needs to know your testimony. There's a young man that needs to hear your story. There's a young woman who's been through what you're going through and she needs you to get out on the other side of it so you can come to her and tell her that there's hope for you too. Who am I to say when I'm done? Who am I to tell God when it's over? Do I truly fear him? I want to end with two questions this morning. And maybe write these down. Let them be questions that you begin every day with. I don't know. But I know one thing. When we choose to live in the acceptance of man... What we're really doing is rejecting the presence of God. So question number one, will you reject the presence of God in order to live in the acceptance of man? Or will you truly fear him? Will you reject the presence of God in order to live in the acceptance of man? Or will you truly fear him? Question number two, will you obey God to lead you into any situation or will you let the fear of man draw you away from him? Will you obey God to lead you into any situation or will you let the fear of man draw you away from him? We're going to see as we continue on in this series that it wasn't just Moses that was encouraged and invited to enter the presence of God at Mount Sinai, but there was also a man named Aaron, and that man chose to live in the acceptance of man, rejecting the presence of God in a moment, and we're going to see how that turned out for him later on, but I want to go back and I want to end with this scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or a spirit of intimidation, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. The fear of man is a spirit of intimidation. You're intimidated by others. Whether it's what they may say, whether it's how they may act, whether it's what they may say about you when you're not in the room and you change how you live, you separate yourself from the presence of God to live in the acceptance of man. And this morning, I want to break that spirit right now off of his church and off of every single person in this room right now. And y'all, I'm just saying, I'm going to pray and I'm going to declare as specifically as I can this morning 
Because one thing that I'm learning is that vague prayers get vague answers. Specific prayers get specific answers. And I want to truly see God's children. I truly want to see his church. I want to see his kingdom stop living in the fear of man and begin to live with a healthy fear of God. And so I'm going to ask if you would pray with me this morning. And I don't do this all the time. But I'm going to ask if you would just lift your hands up as an act of surrender. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, you bow your heads. And before we break this chain of the spirit of intimidation right now, I want to give anybody with every eye closed, every head bowed in this room an opportunity to accept a relationship with Jesus for the very first time. Because maybe throughout your life you've been told that you need to follow God and it needs to be a decision that you make because hell is a scary place and your sin is wrong and you're messed up and you're a sinner and you need to call out to Jesus. But I'm here to tell you this morning that choosing to submit your life to him because of an act of fear is not even surrendering your life to him at all. It's not an act of fear in which we give our life to the Lord. It's an act of love. To say that we understand that God loved us so much that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. And that it's nothing we can say or do to achieve it or become worthy of even receiving that kind of love. But all we have to do is invite him into our life. Declare that he is Lord of our life. Ask for the forgiveness of our sins. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised on the third day and confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity right now to go to your Father in heaven and to lay your life down at his feet. The prayer can be as simple as, Father, I need you. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of forgiveness. I repent of my sin. I declare from this moment forward that you are Lord of my life for all of my life. I welcome your Holy Spirit into my life today. Allow me to live full of your spirit all of these days forward. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for me on that cross. Just talk to your heavenly father right now. Have that conversation with him in these moments. As we continue to pray this morning, eyes closed, heads bowed, hands lifted. I want to speak right now in the name of Jesus to anyone in this room, anyone listening online who has been living and operating in the fear of man or the fear of intimidation. I want to break the chain, break the spirit of intimidation in the name of Jesus in this house this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence to fall. Holy Spirit, I invite you right now to cleanse minds in this room that are operating based on what man might say or what man might do or what man has said about them in their past. And I break the spirit off in the mighty name of Jesus right now and that you are free in the name of Jesus. That you would walk in victory in the name of Jesus. 
That you would experience a healthy fear of God in the name of Jesus. Right now, God, I pray against anyone who might look at themselves differently because of what's been said about them and that they're struggling to accept who God made them to be because man has told them that they could never be. God, I pray you would restore and redeem your son or your daughter in the name of Jesus this morning. We break that spirit off right now. We send that spirit straight back to the pit of hell where it came from. And God, I pray that you would anoint, that you would equip, and that you would rise up the church right here in Mineola, southwest Kansas, to go be on mission for the kingdom of God, to live in a healthy fear of God, to see heaven more crowded, to see all people experience the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. Lord, we say send heaven down. God, we cry out right now that you would send a physical rain into these lands. But God, I pray that before the physical rain comes, you would send a spiritual rain into this house. And that your people would be on fire through your Holy Spirit. This morning, let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. Anyone in this room right now. That has not been living with a spirit of intimidation because of what somebody else has said. But you yourself have been lying to yourself. And you've allowed anxiety and depression to overtake your mind. I pray right now that those chains would be broken. I pray right now that God would restore your mind because his word says that it is a renewing of the mind that takes place when we follow Jesus. And depression and anxiety have no room in the mind that is completely surrendered to the will of Jesus. There is no vacancy here because it is occupied by Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, occupy every mind of the, every believer in this room right now. That has been struggling with anxiety or depression. God I take victory right now. Over those chains. Over those spirits. In Jesus name. In the name of Jesus. We declare victory. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God we thank you. Holy Spirit go before us. Send us out. Into this world. God, allow us to sit in the stillness of our lives to hear whispers from you that you tell us to go share and shout from the mountains. Allow us to find moments in the darkness where we hear words that you speak and let us run to the light to share those words with the rest of the world. And God, let us give you all the glory all the honor and all the praise for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in the days to come. It's in your holy and precious name all of God's children said. Amen and amen. Hey church, stand with me this morning. Let's end with our declaration together. Come on, say it like you mean it this morning. God, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to help us go be the church. Hey, church service is over. Church is not going peace. We'll see you guys next week.